It's Wednesday, 29th of March. I'm Anthony Day, and this is the Sustainable Futures Report. The climate crisis grabs the headlines. Well, no, actually, it doesn't. I had to take my favourite newspaper to task for featuring a failed politician on its front page while reporting on the latest IPCC report on page four. Fate of failed politician, page one, I wrote. Fate of humanity, page four. Get a grip. Surprisingly, they didn't publish it or respond. Yes, of course, the climate crisis is a crisis, because if we let things continue as they are, the whole of our world, our environment, will be damaged irretrievably. But much of our environment is at risk for more than climate change. It is at risk from human activity damaging biodiversity, and in some cases driving parts of it to extinction. Who cares? And who is responsible? Well, increasingly governments care, and shareholders care, and those who lead major corporations may be at risk if they don't recognise their actions or the actions of their organisations are damaging biodiversity. That brings us to this week's interview. Today we're talking about biodiversity, and my guest is Jenny Ramos. She's a lawyer specialising in corporate finance and biodiversity at CCLI, which is the Commonwealth Climate and Law Initiative. She's co-author of a report which they've just produced. So um, welcome, Jenny. Um, Thank you for coming to talk to the Sustainable Futures Report. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Perhaps you could start off by explaining a bit about CCLI, what it is and what it does. Sure. So CCLI is a legal and environmental think tank. We focus on how climate and biodiversity risks, impacts and opportunities influence the legal interpretation of directors' duties. And why do we focus on directors' duties is the big question. So these are duties that are found in existing company laws around the world, which set up directors' responsibilities towards their company, for example, their duties of care and loyalty. And this ensures that people in the position of power have proper guidance on how to exercise that power and how to avoid conflicts with their own interests. And just to kind of explain why this is such a powerful concept, which is the whole reason why CCLI focuses on this, in many countries around the world, the interpretation of these directors' duties is flexible so that they're viewed in context of the surrounding world. And the standard that they're held to can expand with time and adapt to the market, regulatory, legal and social circumstances. They're not set in stone or rigid and they evolve. Therefore, as soon as any risk becomes sufficiently important to the potential success of a company, it becomes something that directors should be considering. And this is where the environmental aspect comes in. So the CCLI looks at that intersection of company law and environment. The most important thing really is that these duties can create personal liability for directors who breach them, which is, is a really powerful concept. So that even directors who don't care about a particular environmental or societal phenomenon are more likely to pay attention to that because they know if they mismanage it, that, that might mean that they could lose, for example, their house or their personal asset. So this is a really powerful narrative as behavioural change at corporate level is highly intensified if personal responsibility is involved. Right, okay, okay. But um, for people to take action, they need to be aware. There was a COP, COP15, 
which is a conference of the parties. This one was about biodiversity last December. Has that raised people's awareness? And um, are, are they more conscious of, of the risks which, which may affect them? Yes, I, I believe so. I mean, for the past couple of years, the issue is becoming increasingly popular to talk about. A lot of financial bodies have been talking about it already since about 2020. But but yes, the COP definitely made a lot more people suddenly sit up and, and, and say, what, another COP? Which COP is this? And, and it suddenly entered the public consciousness a lot more. And there was also a very powerful business lobby at COP actually supporting the role of business in in thinking about biodiversity. So, so yeah, I would definitely think it has really raised the profile, and it definitely we, we released our report during COP, and and I think it's definitely captured people's attention for that reason. Now, you were saying that there are risks to organisations, reputational risks, risks also to directors personally. Uh, mm. Can you just enlarge on that? What, what sort of um, what sort of penalties, what sort of risks do they incur and, and what, what triggers it? Is it regulations or what? Yeah, so so th 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 this is really interesting because it doesn't require any new laws. Um, but this is within existing company laws around the world and it varies. So, so the, the penalties, I, I can't kind of comment because it depends on jurisdiction to jurisdiction really and, and it's very different. But the, the crucial thing is that that within those company laws that there's the potential for shareholders to bring an action against the directors so, so that would be how the risk would arise and so it's for mismanaging their duties and and there's various case law i don't know whether you'd like me to talk about the case law on on biodiversity at the moment or come back to that later well in in broad terms just just to explain so for example in in terms of climate we've seen shell shells directors being being having this kind of claim brought against them for mismanagement of climate risk. So there's the potential that, that could be that to our knowledge, there haven't been any biodiversity cases like that, but it doesn't mean to say there couldn't be, and it will very much depend on how that pans out in that case. But there's also been quite a lot of cases on biodiversity against companies around the world, which indicates that, that it's becoming a, a liability risk for directors. So would you would you like me to expand on some examples of those cases? Of course, yes. Yes. So, for example, um, a twenty twenty one case in France against a supermarket chain called Casino. That that claim alleged that Casino's due diligence plans, in accordance with the national due diligence laws, failed to detail environmental and human rights harms caused by the supply of cattle from deforested areas in Brazil. So, oh. so, so you can see this. This going down the supply chain harms that are caused in Brazil are being litigated in France. It's pretty tenuous, isn't it? Yes. Well, yes, but but this is the, the harms are arising because of the the purchasing of companies in other jurisdictions, and so it's kind of tracing that chain of causation, really. Right, but you wouldn't immediately think uh, that uh, something that happened in Brazil would be litigated in France, would you? Unless you're a lawyer, of course. <laughs> well, yeah, th these claims are, are increasing, but also not just through supply chains, but through subsidiaries. So, so we've seen cases in the UK, the Netherlands and Canada, where courts are starting to be prepared to hear claims against parent companies for the conduct of their foreign subsidiaries. Um, in, for example, in locations like Zambia, Nigeria and again, Brazil. So, so you're starting to see this kind of these global value chains 
courts are starting to 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 open their minds to looking at the, these chains. Now, this can affect the organisations. It can affect the directors. You were saying the directors could even lose their houses. Are you saying they can be totally liable if they if they are actually found to be culpable? Yes, I mean, it depends. As I said before, it varies between jurisdictions, but but many company laws have this personal liability for directors. Yes. So the big question is, what should organisations and indeed directors be doing to manage their risks or, in fact, to minimise their risks? So directors have these duties to oversee their company's risk management and and the success of their company. So so in order to understand how biodiversity risk and, and opportunity relates to this, they need to understand what their company's interface is with biodiversity so they they need to so they oversee the company risk management so they need to embed these these considerations into their risk management processes and they also need to be thinking whether as a board they have the appropriate skills and information to actually assess how biodiversity issues could affect their company and and if not if they don't they need to find out what training and information they need to build their capacity not just their own capacity but their executive and management team capacity but then they also need to, at a granular level, that the company itself needs to be looking at its impacts and dependencies on biodiversity. So this is very technical language, and it comes from the task force on natural financial nature-related financial disclosures. Sorry, the TNFD, and and this this is a whole framework explaining how companies should be disclosing on nature and so companies need to understand what their impacts and dependencies are on biodiversity and not just directly but that supply chain link that i, I went into so all co- corporations are going to need legal advice but they're probably going to need to strengthen their teams with sustainability professionals as well indeed yes yeah and particularly there, there's so much data on biodiversity if you if you compare it to climate which is just one one measure of emissions it on with biodiversity it's a whole whole range of different measurements and and a lot of expertise is required there right do you see governments tightening up or expanding legislation and regulations relating to biodiversity is this going to make the landscape even more treacherous for organizations and directors it's definitely on the cards. So, so if we go back to, to, to COP15, and just, just to explain, I, I'm not sure how familiar your listeners will be to actually what COP15 was, but it was the conference to the parties on the Convention of Biological Diversity. And so they agreed to this, this non-legally binding global biodiversity framework, and that had targets. So those targets, although they're not legally binding, the governments of all these countries that signed up to it have agreed to implement the targets through their national policies and regulations. And there was one particular target that was really quite interesting and exciting from, in terms of the, the fact that a multilateral agreement addressed companies for the first time. And this target, was, which is called Target 15, actually requires governments to, to make legislation really that large and transnational companies and financial institutions must assess and disclose their risks, dependencies and impacts on biodiversity, and not only in their operations, but in the supply and value chains and for financial institutions, their portfolios. So this is quite groundbreaking in in that, although it's not legally binding, companies have made a commitment that they will put in place those requirements. Um, Not only that, but they will take measures to encourage and enable all businesses to make such disclosures. So not just those large companies, but all businesses. 
so the question the big question there is how soon will that happen how soon indeed, will countries indeed. implement it but i think we can see on the horizon and um, that that's going to happen and, and th that will strongly be linked to the development of the task force for nature related financial disclosures the tnfd which i mentioned before and also the international sustainability standards board or issb these two frameworks will be likely to be adopted by governments we've already seen the uk saying that they will adopt the issb recommendations so the these frameworks are likely to be what the governments link their regulations to if that makes sense and they're not final yet so maybe in 2024 we might start to see governments making sounds about putting in place regulations well, let's hope we do. Let's hope we do, because sadly, on the other side, uh, COP27 and the earlier Paris Agreement, governments have, have all signed up to it, all paid lip service to it, but not an awful lot's been done. So let's hope they will at least do a bit more towards uh, uh, yeah. the, the biodiversity. But the other we'll... thing, sorry, the other thing just worth mentioning there is due diligence legislation. So, so around the world, there are various different regulations coming in, notably the EU on due diligence, and the EU has proposed some legislation on value chain due diligence. So this is quite interesting in the fact that it could catch companies globally and not just those in the EU or operating in the EU, not because they will be directly affected, but because there will be a cascade of information requests through the value chain. And so companies might be required contractually to report to do due diligence on biodiversity impact. So, so that might be another way that, that it kind of captures companies and, and brings in obligations. Well, that's very interesting. In fact, the whole thing is very interesting. And although you say that uh, COP15 raised the profile, I'm sure there are many people out there who are not aware that they are liable or may have liabilities for, for biodiversity issues. So I hope we can work together. And I'm, I'm sure you are working to spread the message. Yeah, yeah, indeed. And just to be clear on that, some of the risk will depend, depending on the sector the company's in, and it may not crystallise yet, it may already have crystallised, and it depends, it really just depends on their exposure to the highest risk sectors. So for example, construction and agricultural sectors are the really high risk ones, but they have huge value chains. And, and that's where these hidden connections to biodiversity are. So, so yeah, just to clarify, I'm not saying necessarily that Every company has that risk there yet, but it's something that they really need to be considering and they need to understand their interface with biodiversity to even know whether they have it or not. Well, Jenny, thank you very much for giving a heads up to the listeners of the Sustainable Futures Report. I'm sure people will find this very interesting. Thank you. Yet another aspect to sustainability. Thanks to Jenny Ramos for talking to the Sustainable Futures Report. Next week is Easter, and next week there will be another Sustainable Futures Report. I'm not making any promises at this stage as to what it will be about. Have a good week until then. I'm Anthony Day. That was the Sustainable Futures Report. Until next time.